La Llorona. Mikey, don't, don't do that. Don't! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the last three rows of horror podcast. Mike here with... Big Sal. And... Sorry, I'm daydreaming. This, this and, other guy over there. And Pistol Pete, uh, <laughs> bro- brother of La Llorona. <laughs> Pistola, yeah, pistola. <laughs> not a friend of the, not a fan of the knack, huh, Sal? Oh, I love the knack. Love the knack. La Llorona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I thought you were doing an Oompa Loompa thing. I, know, I knew what he was quick. going right away. I knew because <laughs> Cheech did it. I, I did that have have that in my head though over the last <laughs> what week. What do you get when you no 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 no? Uh, Don't do that either. Oh, <laughs> I love my singing. <sighs> So, folks, it's uh, the first episode of the new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And, Happy New uh, Year. we are continuing our conversation about the Conjuring and the Warrens. On today's episode, it's the Curse of La Llorona. We're going to hear all about the uh, Mexican folklore and the film starring Linda Cardellini. Oh, yeah. What year yeah. was that? 2019? 2019, yeah. 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 Good one. I really liked it. Uh, we're going to talk all about that film, probably. I like that. And uh, there's uh, one or two older films. In fact, a black and white one called La Llorona, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think mm-hmm. from the 40s. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah. Cool. So before we begin, folks, thank you for listening, subscribing, and streaming on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, liking us on Instagram and Facebook. And we have an email. We want to hear from you. What's the email, Sam? Last three rows of horror at gmail.com. Let's jump into it. This is La Llorona. Hey, hey, wait, Mike, before we jump into it, give us just a little bit of Megan that you've seen. Oh, yeah. I did see Megan. Very entertaining. Uh, One or two jump scares. I laughed a lot because of some of the language. Um, (laughs) There's this one scene, this this bully kid that's bothering the little girl. Uh, Megan's protecting the little girl. Okay. Right. And there's this one scene with this bully and the things that this kid says to his mother. <laughs> so bad. Doesn't she pull his ear off or something like that? Uh, she fucks him up. She fucks him up royally. Yeah. Okay. Can you relate this in any way to Chucky? No. It, she's smarter. Uh, it's better than the whole Chucky series. Okay. So it is. Well, I mean, Child's Play, the first film, stands on its own, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like that. It's not a. It's not a slasher. Okay. I mean. That's what I was. That's what I was expecting. Not not a typical slasher. No. Okay. This one's just more about how scary AI really is, and yeah. how, how scary it's going to be. One thing I read about this was really cool. Like uh, they had some articles in the New Fangoria about it, and they were mm-hmm. saying like they had a whole team of people. Like they basically like created a child Seriously? actor out of they like animatronics. Whole... Wow. Yeah. Well, wow. they use. I guess for some scenes they used a real little girl. Yeah. To yeah. do the dancing and stuff. <laughs> But for most of it, they just used like they like pre-recorded the voice, and then they had like a whole team of people like working her face and like pre-recording what, her. What about what about CGI, Mike? I mean, I think they actually used a a, a robot and a lot mm. of stuff, but uh, I think most of it was practical effects. Yeah, really? Wow. James okay. James Wan, okay. uh, I think, wrote and produced. Okay, he did not direct, but the guy that did direct it did a pretty good job. So. Okay, right. I think I think the person that uh, wrote um, uh, not a lot of uh, Malignant. I'll, wrote this oh, one. okay, okay. And the guy who directed Housebound, I forget his name. Oh, Housebound's good. Yeah, that's I cool like Housebound. Movie. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go, go check see, that one out. Go see Megan. This is supposed go to see be Megan. the first horror movie of the year. There's supposed to be a whole slew of them coming out this year, and this is the one that kicked it off. But uh, other ones to look for this year is the new Evil Dead. Oh, Can't I'm wait. excited about that. The new Can't trailer wait. just came out. It looks great. Yeah. Evil, Evil Dead Rises. Yeah. Is that the one you sent us, Amy? Yeah, yeah. That's the one. That one's going to be excellent. Also, did you see the new trailer for uh, Renfield with Nicolas Cage? I don't know. You know what? I was expecting it to be a lot more serious. It it looks like an action movie. Yeah. I I hate it when they combine fucking like slow motion martial arts with goddamn, you know, horror movies. Yeah. I hate that shit. I was really looking forward to that one, but now I'm not so sure anymore. I mean, you put Nicolas Cage on anything, it's a gamble. Okay, guys. So fill me in. Is this Renfield from Dracula? Yeah. 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 Okay. Played by Nicholas Holt. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. Who, who is that, Mike? He sounds familiar. He's been in a billion things. He was in. Uh, he was just X-Men. in a movie called uh, The Menu, which was really good. In the Menu. He okay. was in uh, Mad Max. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Been a lot of stuff actually. I'm not a name guy. I'm a face guy. But you know, Mike helps me out a lot. By, uh, what was that? He was in this and this. What wasn't that one where he's a zombie and it's a love story? Warm oh, bodies. Warm bodies. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. book was pretty good. Oh, I'm not know. really sure about the movie. I didn't like it that much. The movie was not great. Okay. Got, uh, who is it? Teresa Palmer in it. 
Uh-huh. It was in uh, Lights Out. Okay, good yeah. one. Yeah. Love Lights Out. Lights out Love Lights yeah. Out. Talk about yeah. a short film. Was that another James Wan uh, type deal? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't. I don't, I don't think so. Huh. I want to say maybe produced or maybe he was involved somehow. I, I love the Italian chicken there, Maria. Maria um, oh, what's her last name in Lights Out? She played in Coyote uh, Ugly. That she was the owner. Um, oh, Maria is something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking Beautiful about. woman. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love her with a B, right? I'm, Maria yeah, I'm, I'm Bello? A, yeah, Bella. Yeah, Bella. That's Bella. it. I'm a fan of hers. She's really good in whatever she's she Italian? does. She's Italian? Yeah. yeah. She was Italian. in, well, maybe Italian last name. She was oh. in um, uh, History of Violence. That I've was seen a great that. movie. I've seen with that. Vigo. Yeah, it's a David Cronenberg yeah. movie. Yep. Oh, come on. Cronenberg, come on. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple fucked up parts in that, like when he shoots the guy's face off in yes, the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and I also checked up on the on the follow-up of uh there's still fighting and debating on redoing Escape from New York. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is, is the bad. rock attached to it? There's still I oh, oh I no, don't know. Please not. Or he's a, no, he's attached to Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Oh, but he has yeah. been for years. Yeah. That's a bummer. He cannot too. be in Escape from No, no, he cannot be in Escape from New York. Well, what do you think? Would Kurt Russell return as Snake or be a new Snake? I think no. I think he'd he'd have a cameo. Yeah, because he's just too old. He's just somewhere like weren't in they going to call it? I thought they were going to do a third one and call it Escape the World. Well, that's what they want to do now. That with the script, they don't want to make a new Escape from New York. They want to do a follow up of what's going on with him. Your sure. thoughts on Escape from L.A. Uh <laughs> It was nothing no. compared to New York. Nothing. But I, but I it's kind of fun. But... I can't help it. I love I love Escape from New York and oh, yeah. Escape from mm-hmm. L.A. Did, did I love it? No, but I'm a fan. Adrian Barbeau. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> Double bubble. Anyway, Double let's, bubble. Let's, uh, let's jump into it, Sam. Yeah, moving on. So uh, The Curse of La Llorona, also known by its English translation of uh, The Curse of the Weeping Woman in some markets, was released in 2019 as the sixth installment of The Conjuring Universe. So based on the Latin American folklore of La Llorona, the film stars and follows Linda Cardellini, a mother in 1973 Los Angeles who must save her children from a malevolent spirit who is trying to steal them. So yeah, Linda Cardellini, she's been in everything. Strangeland, Freaks and Geeks, Grand Grandma's Boy, Dead Man on Campus, Brokeback Mountain, Green Book, Capone, Mad Men, multiple Avengers films and the Hawkeye TV show, yeah. and also uh, Velma and Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> Velma. <laughs> I did watch these over the last week. It's kind of funny. I was telling Mike how they like always make her like sexualized in some way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? When I was a Scooby-Doo fan, there, there was something about Velma. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I think guys. that's why they did it in these movies. I don't know if it's it's gla- kind of uh, like an her, unspoken thing. You know? I don't know if it was her glasses or her socks. It's the glasses. Okay, and the turtleneck. All right, I feel you. But she's not wearing a turtleneck. No, there. You and the skirt. Oh. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so moving on. There's an, uh, by the way, an Easter egg in the Curse of La Llorona about ten minutes in, where Samantha is seen watching a classic Scooby Doo <laughs> Where Are You episode <laughs> from 1969 entitled <laughs> Hassle in the Castle, where a dude pretends to be a ghost to terrorize the gang. <laughs> Hey, Scooby! <laughs> so this is, uh, by the way, the curse of, uh, near the end of the curse of La Llorona, we're led to believe that La Llorona breaks a sacred barrier to gain entry into the family's house. In reality, this is a grieving mother, uh, Patricia, who is dressed similar to La Llorona, all in white and barefoot, giving her the appearance of a ghost, just like this Scooby-Doo episode. Eat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like those little Easter eggs like that. They, they, they were... kind of give you give away the end of the movie, and you don't even see it in the movie, you know? There, mm-hmm. there was a rumor going around uh, quite a few years ago about Scooby and, and Muttley that the Scooby snacks were, were actually weed. Of course. Oh, That's yeah, why they yeah. wanted it. Yeah. Did you guys ever hear that? Yeah, Shaggy. For sure. Yeah. Shaggy and Scooby yeah. share the doobies. Because Shaggy, Shaggy was a big weed dude, and and uh, and uh, whenever Muttley uh, in the Wacky Races, they used to call it when he was wacky in that, races. they used to give him they used to give him that, and he'd float in the air. And... <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that it's was always cool. funny how they cover it though. Like in the Scooby Doo movie, I just watched. Like they show the van, and there's like yeah. there's smoke pouring out of it. But then they go inside, and they're like grilling burgers or something, you know. <laughs> Okay, where are you? <laughs> so uh, this is uh, director Michael Schaub's directorial debut. He would go on to direct The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, which we're going to be talking about next week. Um, mm-hmm. And he is currently in production on The Nun 2. Uh, strangely, he claims that The Curse of La Llorona is not part of The Conjuring universe, which is kind of strange. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, I think at first maybe this started out not part of the Conjuring universe, and I think I read that they did like just throw some shit in there, you know, like Father Perez from Annabelle. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, before transitioning to feature films, uh, Shav started out directing several short films, including The Maiden, which won Best Super Short Horror Film at uh, Shriekfest 2016. It's about nine minutes long and about a real estate agent trying to sell a haunted house. It's really This is a cool short. I definitely recommend this if you can find it. Yeah, I want to look for it. Yeah, this is one you're told about, right, Sammy? I think you might be able to find this on, there was a website, I think it's shortoftheweek.com or something. They have a lot of cool like horror shorts. Definitely cool. check that out. Excellent. Yeah, so this is also uh, Joseph Bashara returned oh to score the film here. Uh-huh. We got a picture of him with James Wan as the uh, the lipstick demon. <laughs> that guy just freaks me Darth out, Maul. man. I told, I told Mike before, call it what you want, but that guy freaks the shit out of me. Just as oh, yeah. Probably way more than Art the Clown. Joseph Bashara, big... Big part of the Conjuring universe. Mm-hmm. He also played yeah. Bathsheba Sherman. Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's awesome at playing like <laughs> wicked women <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Curse of La Llorona was produced by James Wan through his company Atomic Monster Productions, which was founded in 2014 and responsible for not only the films in the Conjuring universe, but for Lights Out. That's right. That's what I was saying there. Uh, Mortal Kombat, Malignant, and the upcoming Megan film. Megan. Megan. So on uh, November 16th, 2022, recently it was announced that the company was in talks to merge with Jason Blum's Blumhouse Productions, with the company having a shared deal with Universal Pictures, thus ending their deal with Warner Brothers Pictures. Uh, The company would continue to operate as separate labels, with each maintaining its own creative autonomy and brand identity. So uh, Atomic Monster is utilizing the existing Blumhouse infrastructure to further their projects in film, television, and new content areas such as horror-related games, uh, live entertainment, and audio. Uh, The Nun 2, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, and Salem's Lot remake, uh, directed by Conjuring Universe writer Gary Dauberman, are a couple other upcoming projects on the books, too. Salem's Lot, that'd be a good one to remake. Yeah, Yeah. I've been looking forward to that one. I've been hearing mixed things about it. Like, they they canceled it for a while, but it was in production. I don't know really what's going on with that. I'll tell you which one they can cancel. I could do without Aquaman. They're making another one. They're making another one coming out. Yeah, that's kind of a waste of James Wan if... Absolutely. If I'm being honest, I, I, I love the first one, dude. Really? Yeah. Not a big fan of those. I'm a big fan of his. I, I know you didn't like him because well, well, I don't like him. I like Juan. <laughs> I like James Wan. Sammy, was that you that said you didn't like the, the, uh, wolf, the werewolf? Remember with the Which one? With, with the with Aquaman when the kid was a, when his kid was a werewolf and he found out it was his kid. Was it werewolf? Well, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> when Aquaman when I first seen Wait. him. He played a werewolf. That's the first time I oh, seen him. Oh, that movie Wolves, Wolves. with Jason yeah, Momoa okay, you're yeah, talking about. Yeah. You, <laughs> I see it. Mike, did Confusing you like it? Me there, you know what? Mike, did you like it? I think I've seen Wolves. You know I what? I liked it, I dude. fucked up. We're going to have to cover one more movie, and that's Aquaman, because I forgot there's a scene in Aquaman where oh, you could see on. the Annabelle doll, so that yeah. technically it's part of the Stop Conjuring it. universe. No, <laughs> that's no, not no, true. No. That 100%, think, yeah. I'll be, that is I'll be not absent true. for that but we're, but we're not, yeah, we're not covering Aquaman. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> yeah, it was 100% true. You can see the you can yeah. see the Annabelle doll. It's, it's like there. underwater somewhere. It's an Easter egg. It's in there. I think it's when they go to Atlantis or some shit like that. So you two guys are serious? There's Annabelle in the underwater? Yes. I got to look. So technically, Aquaman (laughs) is part of the Conjuring universe. (laughs) See, told you, Mike. So uh, The Curse of La Llorona premiered at South by Southwest on March 15th, 2019. It was theatrically released in the United States on April 19th. uh, Received negative reviews with most of the criticism aimed at its reliance on jump scares. There's a lot of them in this movie, for sure. So it also grossed about 123 million worldwide against a budget of nine million, becoming the lowest grossing film in the Conjuring franchise. Though still pretty successful, that was what a hundred and you know twelve million dollar but uh, profit off that. Yeah, how could you call it? That's fantastic. I think that's, that's fantastic. Great. It's awesome for sure. Who rates this shit? <laughs> what idiot? Th- I mean, Critics. you put in nine, Mikey, and you and you make 123. Critics, idiot. Yeah. Well, just because it made a bunch of money doesn't make it a good movie. I think true, it's a good movie. True, but it's, you true. Know. It's okay. Yeah, so uh, one of our sources on this again, Horror History, The Curse of La Llorona. Awesome. They put together some great shit. Yeah, check that out. I think yeah. the channel is like CZ's World. Yeah, on, but could, uh, yeah, but could you two guys YouTube? really tell me any horror or any kind of movie where the second one's better than the first one? Oh, yeah. I, really? Oh. I, it, I, I'll I'd be off the top of to my head. It. I'll say Jeepers Creepers Part 2. I think that sequel is way better than the first one. Oh, is that the one with on the bus? Really, yes. Mike? Yes. You like that one better than the first one? Yep. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know about well, everybody that has their own opinion, but I, I'm telling you, it would really take a long you give me, time. You give me a while. I could think of a couple. That it would take me better. I, oh, I didn't say there wasn't. I'm just saying it would take me a long time in my taste to, to find a movie better than the original. You're going to think I'm crazy, but Texas Chainsaw, too. I fucking love that one. is so much more fun than the first one. It's definitely more fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So La Llorona, known as the Weeping or the Wailing Woman, was likely born in the 1650s. We know this because she appears to be in her 20s when she is married with children in, 19, I'm sorry, 1673. Uh, La Llorona was alive so long ago that the best known record of her mostly comes from the folklore surrounding her. While the stories vary depending on the source, very few, I'm sorry, a few constants overlap here. So when La Llorona was young, she had a different name. Um, in most retellings, it's Maria, but in a well-known play written in 1917, it's Louisa. In many iterations of the story, she was born into poverty, but as soon as she grew up, she became incredibly beautiful, so much so that she drew the attention of a wealthy ranchero. They were married and had two boys. This almost reminds me kind of like uh, the origin story. I mean, everyone has a different one, but like Bloody Mary in the States or in England. Uh-huh. It's yeah. like this is like Mexico's version of Bloody Mary, sort of. Yeah, a lot of those kind of legends have like kind of the same, you know, mm-hmm. plot points to them. How they're conjured uh-huh. and everything. Uh-huh. So unfortunately, these children would not live for very long, for as she gave them life, she also took it away, thus beginning the curse of La Llorona. Today we'll find out what drove this young mother to commit the double murder of her own children, and how she became known as the Weeping Woman, and how her curse endangered generations of children. So we'll be covering the life, the afterlife, and one of uh, Mexico and Central America's most iconic legends, La Llorona. Yeah. I, doom, real doom, quick, doom, I had a doom, I have a friend doom, of mine stuck in my head now. <laughs> God damn it! Like uh, it. I have a friend of mine. Many years ago, he told me his family's version of it. Uh, growing up with uh, t- just tales of La Llorona and tales of uh, El Cui Cui, which is the Mexican boogeyman. <laughs> All right. Okay, El Cui Cui. Never yes. heard of that. Yeah. Um, but he said in Monterrey, Mexico, there's a lot of ranches and farms, and the townspeople will hear her screaming at night. Ooh, that's awesome. Wailing at night. And then the chupacabra comes. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's South America. <laughs> so there's not a lot documented about the childhood of La Llorona, but one thing that is consistent across the various legends is that she grew up in poverty. So when a wealthy conquistador came to her town and pursued her, it makes sense that it would be a very big deal to her. So according to History Today, there was a, initially a shortage of Spanish women in what became uh, what the Spanish dubbed New Spain, a region that spanned from Mexico to the southwest U.S. to parts of Florida and the northernmost parts of South America. This meant that unions between indigenous women and Spanish men were quite common. However, many of these unions didn't last very long, and to get a better understanding, we'll need to take it back to Mexico and parts of Central America during the 1600s, where this iteration of the legend originates. So history today states that the, quote, the fates of indigenous mestiza women who married Spaniards were mixed. Some enjoyed stability and enhanced status, but more often than not, they were cast aside after a few years for younger women or more often than not, a Spanish wife. More alarmingly, their children were sometimes taken away, a practice that derived from the Spanish tradition of relieving the so-called wayward woman of their children. Uh, This left many women of the time left to feel completely helpless, and uh, La Llorona is basically an embodiment of the collective pain and anger of women from this time that got turned into legend. So uh, that's something that comes up a lot in horror history, from the Demigorgon being a manifestation of the fears of communism to Godzilla being a metaphor for nuclear fallout. Yeah, you you know a little bit about Godzilla, right, Sal? I know a lot about Godzilla. (laughs) So there are uh, different iterations of La Llorona, but for the sake of simplicity, we'll stick to the lore as told in the Conjuring universe, specifically the curse of La Llorona. So according uh, to the local priest, Father Perez, who's from uh, the Annabelle movies, uh, the story goes as follows here. La Llorona fell in love and had two sons with her husband. The family loved each other, and her sons demonstrated their love by giving her a necklace that she says she will keep forever. And in the beginning of the movie, we get like a cute little uh, scene here. The boys <laughs> give her the necklace. Everybody's dancing around, happy. You know that almost looks like uh, <laughs> the album cover to King Diamond's The Eye of the Witch. Fuck yeah. Damn. <laughs> the Eye. So Father Perez explains that she and her family were happy until one day when she found her husband in the arms of a younger woman. 
In a fit of rage, he took away what he deemed the most valuable, his children, of whom she drowned in the nearby river. That's another scene you see in the beginning. The, the one child comes up on her, drowning the other child. And <laughs> for, Sorry, for some reason, that's hilarious to say. Death I'm, to children I'm, equals I'm just, laughs for I'm sale. just washing his collar. <laughs> his collar? <laughs> Oops, I forgot the kid is still in it. <laughs> uh, well, as soon as she calmed down and realized what she'd done, she wept and then she took her own life in the same river, cursing herself to an eternity of trying to find souls of children to trade for her own. So Father Perez says that children are told to behave and listen to their elders or La Llorona will come and steal them away. Kind of seems like the moral of the story here has been aimed at the wrong people. The kids are the only people who didn't do anything wrong in this story, right? So you mean the new thing is if your kids aren't good, drown them? Yeah, they suffer the most. It seems like like it should be directed at parents, kind of, right? Yeah. Don't go having affairs and getting your children taken away. <laughs> How about don't murder your kids? Like even if I mean, there's divorce. Too. <laughs> like, you know, she loses them too. What the fuck? If that's I a, that's a lose-lose. No lose. one will. Yeah. yeah. That's a lose-lose. <laughs> yep. So for the next couple hundred years, La Llorona continued to haunt the rivers and other bodies of water, searching for other children to kill. As the legend grew, people claimed to hear a woman crying. Some followed the sounds to find a woman in a white gown floating above the water. If children were the ones to follow the sounds and find her, she was said to be ruthless, and they wouldn't stand a chance of escape. So these stories uh, mostly come from Mexico, but the legend would make its way across the border with the weeping woman appearing in Los Angeles in 1973 here. So it's never clearly explained how La Llorona went from haunting one specific river in Mexico to L.A., but we do know that she's doomed to an eternity of searching rivers and bodies of water, and there are several rivers, such as the Colorado River or the Tijuana River, that run from Mexico into Southern California. So over the course of its time, it's possible that she could have migrated up those channels. Has any of you ever heard of a donkey show story in Tijuana? <laughs> Funny, yeah. I think everyone has at least heard one in their lifetime. Like they used to make me dress up as the donkey, and then <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of donkey Kelly fucks a stud. <laughs> I've heard a lot of donkey stories, but never a fucking scary one. <laughs> Tijuana is scary. They're, they're, they're all gotta, scary. They're all gotta be scary. So. <laughs> For the woman, they're think all of the scary. Poor woman. <laughs> Depending on what she looks like, think of the poor horse, donkey, man, Burro. Burro. Oh, Burro. Burro. <laughs> That's such a cool name, donkey. A donkey. <laughs> Yakas. All right, so when we're introduced to the Garcia family in La Llorona, there was a great tracking shot here, uh, just like the first Conjuring film where we're introduced to the Perrin family. I like that when they do things like kind of match up yeah. different films. Yeah, yeah. It seems like kind of a way to introduce the family in all the Conjuring universe, too. We got a cool yeah. tracking shot. For sure. I could never get sick of watching Conjuring. Never. That's such a great movie. Great movie. Is uh, a classic for sure. Is mm-hmm. Joey King in Conjuring? Yeah, the first one. She's a little cutie. So uh, when La Llorona is just a children's tale to some, a single mother named Patricia Alvarez, played by Patricia Velasquez, and a recent riddle named Anna, uh, who is Linda Cardellini's character, soon experienced the curse firsthand. You know, uh, Patricia Velasquez, she hasn't been in a lot of American stuff, but she was um, Aksuna Naman from, uh, was it, the Mummy yeah. trilogy. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh! Yeah. Oh, okay. That's oh. She's uh, who um, was it? Billy Zane's character is like trying to bring back to life. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Wait, Billy Zane's not in that. It's the guy that looks like Billy Zane, right? Billy Zane. I think that's Billy. Z- oh wait. He looks like Billy. Zane. Yeah. Who is the oh. guy in the main? Uh... He's French, I think. Is. Yeah, the actor. Yeah, I don't think he is Billy Zane. No, oh, I'm thinking about it. But he looks like him. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Sammy. I I, I thought you meant she was the chick that played the mummy that Tom Cruise was in. Not that one. No, not no, that one. no. Oh, okay, no. Okay. Did you? I did forget you her guys, name. Did Damn you it. guys like that? I didn't see it. I won't. I, I won't watch anything with that guy. You, you, no, Mike. It, was, Mike, it wasn't bad. Mike, I'm serious, buddy. I know we talked about this before. I know a lot of people, especially a lot of women. My my wife can't stand him, but it was good. Yeah, I liked it. Was there a lot of humor in it? No, really. No, they had no. Russell Crowe. He played no. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde or something <laughs> like that, didn't he? <laughs> no, it, there, there was no, there was no, uh, you know, humor in it. But, I, but you know, it was. It was something to watch. That was supposed to be the first of like the big um, 
oh, remakes right. of all the Universal right. monsters. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. It, 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 to me, I think it failed at, at the box office, but it, it wasn't bad. If they're gonna it was do some cool, like the plane crash, yeah, the plane cool. crash was if, cool. If yeah. they're gonna remake old Universal horror movies again, they got to do an updated Creature for the Black Lagoon. Oh, of course, yeah, which know. they're trying to do. They are trying to do that. But put the guy in the gill suit, man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see CGI. I don't want either. Could be argued maybe that was uh, The Shape of Water. <laughs> True. They, they True. try to. Yeah. They try. And, and I liked Shape of Water. We I, took we took the I kid to go see it. I couldn't it was a, watch it. Was, like, my wife was not pleased. <laughs> I, I just, I thought that was just wrong. She fucked the fish. Yeah, she Ooh. fucked the fish. I mean, that was just wrong. I mean, come on, man. This we got our writers. Come on, you guys. I don't know. Won a ton of awards, so they did something right there. <laughs> I don't know. Was... Del Toro. Yeah. I'm like, we got to examine these people who are voting for. <laughs> See, some safe I support people. fish fucking. <laughs> there you go. Some could argue that it's racist if you don't support <laughs> fish fucking. <laughs> <That's right>. Nowadays. <laughs> Come on, we got to get woke, right? We got to yeah, get woke. Yeah, you got to get woke. Fish <laughs> fucking. So it's possible Terrible. that uh, La Llorona targets the women in the movie because they are reminiscent of herself. Uh, Patricia's alone in raising her kids, and based on Anna's questions about if she started drinking again, it's clear that she had a rough life and doesn't really have any support system. Uh, Anna lost her police officer husband in the line of fire and is left in a difficult situation herself. Both Patricia and Anna have two children close in age to La Llorona's two children, and both are Hispanic. So La Llorona first targets Patricia and her two sons, Carlos and Tomas. So Patricia seems uh, to take all the necessary steps to deter the malicious spirit. A shrine of candles, boarded up windows, religious iconography, and a closet transformed into a protective spirit shelter for her kids. That's pretty cool. I got just like eyes drawn all over it. on the door. So Patricia may have set this up based on her own knowledge of the legend of La Llorona, which she demonstrates a clear understanding of when she speaks to Anna. Either that, or she could have received guidance from a man named Raphael, a curandero or healer who was an expert at handling La Llorona. This might explain why a curandero is at the service for the two boys after they are killed, and why he goes back to their apartment later to collect a sample of La Llorona's tears. Is that Raymond Cruz's character? Yes. Good actor. Been in a ton of movies, Raymond Cruz. Blood in, blood out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think most people would know him probably from Training Days, one of the two uh, gangbangers. Push my uh, shit in. (laughs) They push my shit in (laughs) real good. (laughs) That was real sweet. (laughs) You you know what, dudes? I got to say, in my own opinion, as being a Catholic, uh, you know, well, I'm only half Mexican, but... I do have things they do. But anyway, um, I don't believe, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I do believe that that's one of the worst things you could do is kill, kill children. Of course. I mean, <laughs> killing children, man. Killing yourself, that's one that's thing. That's bad no matter who you are. Kill, kill, no, no, no. Because they say, they say that's the biggest sin in Catholic religion is, is, is often yourself. But killing the children, man. Dude. Yeah. Wow. Pretty bad. So either way, when Anna arrives and finds that Patricia has hidden her children away, Patricia begs Anna for, quote, just one more night, which seems to imply that if Lala Yorona isn't able to take the children within a certain time frame, she moves on. So this could be a representative of the nature by which La Yorona killed her own children. It happened in a fit of rage, and when she calmed down, she regretted her choice, so it's possible that given enough time, she will spare the children that she's after, just as she would have on her own. Uh, but that's uh, just uh, horror history theory, by the way. Nothing set concrete. So um, in the film universe, La Yorona doesn't kill children upon first sight. The haunting follows a specific process, which we've seen before. Her curse seems to follow the same rules that apply to demonic possession, following the steps of infestation, oppression, and then finally possession. Bring in Ed. Yeah, Ed Warrens. <laughs> <laughs> Enter Ed. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's like- my theory that first they're oppressed. <laughs> Let me tell you something here. <laughs> so in uh, La Llorona's case, she isn't necessarily trying to possess a person in the uh, take over their body sense that we're used to seeing, but she's trying to possess children's souls in order to bring her own children back to her. So it makes sense that La Llorona's curse follows the same rules as demonic possession, just as Bathsheba Sherman did with the Perrin family back in 1971. Bathsheba is not technically a demon, but the terror she evokes follows the same process. So except La Llorona's version of infestation, oppression, and possession have unique ways of manifesting themselves. 
So La Llorona's curse follows three specific steps. First, she burns the children with her tears by grabbing their arms and scorching them with her hand. By doing this, she gains access to them, including the ability to put them into a trance and lure them to her. This aspect of legend would reflect her own children's trust in her before she drowned them. Uh, with all her victims, her method of attack is drowning in the nearest body of water. So the location of bird marks left on their arms also ties back to the legend from the 19 I'm sorry from the 1600s the burns are in a very visible spot and from what we can see most are all the families that have uh, that her spirit terrorizes are single mothers so children in single parent households are significantly more likely to be abused according to a study in the National Library of Medicine as mentioned Patricia was already subject to welfare checks before La Llorona entered her life if abuse is found during a welfare check law enforcement may take the children away for their safety so the very visible burn marks feel like La Llorona's revenge after her children were unfairly taken from her, or so she believes. Uh, then imparting the same pain onto her victims, this is exactly what happens to Patricia. Not to be confused with Montezuma's revenge. No, that's when a white man shits his pants in Mexico. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so keeping the boys... No bueno for the gringo. <laughs> It's funny, before the podcast, Mike was like, hey guys, uh, no, no shit talk this one, okay? <laughs> and then he brings and it up. <laughs> you hypocrite. I don't know from experience, dude. I don't know. The first heathen hypocrite. <laughs> I've never been to Mexico. <laughs> so keeping the boys hidden away in the blessed closet was Patricia's last hope at keeping Carlos and Tomas safe from La Llorona. But during the welfare check, Anna takes them out, leaving them completely vulnerable. <laughs> she, they all think, you know what? This was in this movie here. They're all like, there's all these coded things in the very beginning. Like the kids keep saying, like, no, I can't leave. She's gonna hurt me. And they set that up to mean like, you know, Linda Cardellini's character thinks that they're talking about this mother, Patricia. Uh. It could have made things so much easier if the kids were like, La Llorona yeah. is coming. La Llorona is going to kill me. Right. <laughs> I just pictured Mike coming out of the hills of Mexico wearing a big Mexican hat with a, with a King Diamond shirt on, drinking a Corona. <laughs> and that, what? And that Pat Travers song behind him is playing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Mike's going this way because the, the donkey is a bad ride. And Mike's going side to side. <laughs> Dude, corona. <laughs> no sombrero on my cabeza. No sombrero, yeah. But he's got to have his King Diamond shirt oh, on. God. Oh, King Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> so as the children sleep in the foster care institution, La Llorona makes her next move. And I'm not sure if this was supposed to be an Easter egg, but it's labeled, uh, the foster home is labeled St. Victoria's Catholic Charities. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be like St. Victoria from the Nun. Maybe a little Easter egg there. Mm. Could be. Couldn't find anything to confirm that, though. So the uh, the younger of the two brothers, Carlos, wakes up and we get a scene that is similar to a scene in The Conjuring where Christine is awoken by having her leg pulled and smelling farts in the room she shares with her sister Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> so in, uh, <laughs> you know the scene I'm talking about with the door? <laughs> no, I'm just laughing at the farting. <laughs> yeah, she's like, stop farting. <laughs> what is this, my house? <laughs> Thanks, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, now I remember. So in uh, La Llorona, instead of Bathsheba, slamming the door in the climax of the scene where it's just a little setup in this one kind of a bait and switch where the security guard comes in he's doing his rounds so um after that la llorona puts the older of the two brothers tomas into a trance to summon him out of the bedroom carlos wakes up and follows him down the labyrinth of a hallway trying to get him to come back to bed that's kind of a cool scene too yeah, where he is. just keeps yeah. going down the hallway and every time he turns the corner the little brother's like at the end of the hall other hallway <laughs> So uh, after catching sight of La Llorona in the mirror, she disappears briefly. Uh, Carlos then gazes into a puddle of water leaking from the ceiling, and she grabs both of them, taking them in the nearest river to drown them. This is another creepy scene, I think. You know. <laughs> By the way, every time they saw La Llorona in like a mirror or something reflecting, she breaks the mirror. I'm not sure. <laughs> She's one ugly. <laughs> I, I knew I knew Sal was gonna like how the kid screams in this one. <laughs> he looks like me when I found out my first grade. <laughs> no. D plus. He kind of looks like a little wolf boy. <laughs> 
So uh, Anna's <sighs> then called to the crime scene in the middle of the night to identify the bodies of the two boys, <laughs> Carlos and Tomas, and has no choice but to take her own children with her. So Patricia also so shows up at the crime scene, driven mad with grief, and blames Anna for interfering. When Anna asks her what she's talking about, Patricia finally tells her that La Llorona was responsible. Like, really? You couldn't tell us this earlier, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> what, who's the black dude with the Irish name? Sean Patrick something? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sean Patrick Flannery. Thomas? Yeah. That's no. the black guy in this movie. Yeah, not Flannery. <laughs> not Flannery. Uh, Thomas, I think. Is yeah, he's, yeah. He's a good actor. I like him. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Patricia essentially becomes a proxy of La Llorona herself. She prays to the wicked spirit, asking her to take Anna's children in place of her own. Patricia is now following in La Llorona's footsteps, hoping to sacrifice other children in order to trade their souls for her own. So it's almost as though the spirit of La Llorona sees Anna's kids through Patricia, because Anna's kids aren't targeted until Patricia makes eye contact with Anna's son, Chris, as she's being taken from the crime scene in the police car. They think, like, Patricia killed her kids, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when Chris ignores his mother's orders to stay in the car, leaving the car uh, to check out the dead bodies, La Llorona sobs in a nearby alley, luring Chris to the sound. As he checks to see if she's okay, her head suddenly snaps in his direction. I left the sound on for this, Sal, so you could hear some, some cracking of bones. I know you like that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so he she then uses a chiropractor. Oh yeah. So uh she then uses teleportation and lunges towards him, burning him with her tears by grabbing his arm and scorching it, which means she's now attached herself to the family. This is uh if you you can hear what she's saying in here. Mijito. Saying, my darling boy, I'll be with you forever. It's another good. That's a good jump scare, though. That got me the first time yeah. I saw that, though. Yeah. I gotta rewatch this. Nino. <laughs> so Chris is chased back to the car where he breaks the other rule that Anna set for him not to wake up his sister as he begs to be let back inside the locked car. So Chris is then the only one that can see La Llorona screeching at him on the other side of the window once he gets back in, but Chris's behavior is still enough to scare his younger sister, Samantha, who then becomes La Llorona's next target. So uh, the following day, while Anna is at work, she's playing out in the rain with a see-through umbrella. La Llorona attempts to lure her in the same way that she did with Chris by crying off in the distance. However, Samantha stops at the fence at the end of their yard, so La Llorona resorts to other tactics. Uh, she blows Sam's umbrella into the swimming pool, which is an... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and by the way, there's an, I thought there's an awesome shot of like the clouds and the lightning reflecting off the water in this, uh, this scene, too. <laughs> right there. <laughs> so after she reaches into the water to get the umbrella, she's surprised by La Llorona, who grabs her arm and scorches her with her tears. <laughs> Another good jump scare here, where she can only see kind of through the umbrella. <laughs> she scorched me with her tears. <laughs> So at the same time uh, that this is happening, Anna sent, attends the funeral for Carlos and Tomas, where she talks to Father Perez about La Llorona, and also sees the curandero Rafael performing a cleansing ritual on those attending the funeral. So the ritual is called smudging, and it's supposed to connect people to the creator and provide communities with a way to gain spiritual protection and blessings, as well as to improve spiritual health. Smoke created by burning sacred herbs is thought to purify the body and soul and bring clarity to the mind. Sal, you ever had a smudging ritual that yeah, that didn't happen in your pants? Uh, oh, I, I, now now see, I had a big ganja roll like that, and that smoke really helped me. Nice, dude. <laughs> He's got like a cheat and all use, style, uh, dude. It was, we could all use ooh, a purification of. Boy, sage. did that really purify me. <laughs> <laughs> So that night, uh, La Llorona puts Chris into a heavy trance, and Anna finds him repeatedly opening and closing the front door. Anna thinks he's sleepwalking, but he's uh, really setting the stage for La Llorona to gain access to the house. And by the way, in this scene, I also love the camera work. Uh, they do a, a shot where they like zoom in on the front door, 
and it's like the spirit coming. I love when they do that in yeah. movies. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? That is yeah. neat. Creepy. Hold on. So this is another scene that mirrors a scene in the first Conjuring film. Uh, this one is similar to the scene where Cindy Perron is sleepwalking and found by her older sister, Andrea, who is then jump-scared by Bathsheba on top of the wardrobe. It kind of follows the same beats, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get that awesome shot there. <laughs> I, did, I didn't like when, when she first found her sister beating her head on that door. That's that the scene, yeah. so disturbing. That's uh, instead of opening and closing yeah. the door, yeah, the, in the first yeah. Conjuring, she's yeah. banging her head. Mm-hmm. So Anna is then confronted by La, La Llorona throughout the house, first with her appearing in the hallway behind Anna and causing the lights to go out. Anna then hears a noise from Samantha's room, and when she looks down the hall, the door to Sam's room opens slowly, and then La Llorona appears in the mirror outside of the door um, as it's closing shut again, freaking out Anna. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so when she runs back to her room to grab a baseball bat, thinking someone's in the house, she's met by La Llorona, who now stands between her and the door. As Anna's about to swing on La Llorona, the children open the door, and La Llorona disappears. I kind of wish they would have, like... She would have whacked one of the kids, you know. So just... <laughs> now I would have laughed if that would have happened. <laughs> so Anna then makes the kids sleep in her bed while staying up all night on guard with a baseball bat. Uh, and this is the beginning of stage two, oppression. Oppression. So the terror then continues the next day while Anna's at work. Eli Yorona lures Chris into Samantha's bedroom and throws him onto the floor with a powerful gust of supernatural wind. She then lunges for him, scaring the shit out of him in the room. It's another one of those jump scares. Right? <laughs> I think this got me when I watched the movie for the first time, too. I was like, at work or something. Like, ah! <laughs> I want a shirt that has a dinosaur on it. <laughs> we can get you one of those. So then uh, he stops at the edge of the stairs, and La Hirona pushes him down the stairs after appearing out of the adjacent room. He lands on his wrist just before Anna walks through the door. I forgot about that. The kid falls on the stairs. Uh, you love the kids getting hurt, don't you? It sounds like plus points if they're handicapped. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yorona probably could have killed Chris right then and there if she wanted to, but she is most likely setting Anna up just, just likely she I'm did. I'm sorry. I got to say, we need if we're doing a new sticker idea, it's going to say, <laughs> injured children equals laughs. <laughs> that was a good one, Mike. Dead kids are funny, science yeah. style. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, as we were saying, this is most likely uh, La Llorona setting uh, Anna up, just like she did to Patricia, uh, to make it seem like she's an unfit mother, as she would know firsthand that having her own children taken away from her was pain worse than death. Uh, The ensuing doctor visit prompts a welfare check at Anna's house, and her rival co-worker is the person assigned to the case, a humiliation akin to La Llorona's feelings when the conquistador she married took her boys away to a better-suited woman. But La Llorona still needs to burn Anna with the black tears in order to complete the curse. You ever hear the song Conquistador by Procol Harum? No, I haven't. But my father and uncle used to talk about conquistadors. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was some badass motherfuckers, man. They're bullfighters, from, right? From, from, some of them were, uh-huh. but mainly they're from Spain. And did you ever see a conquistador's uh, armor and all that? And uh, and and yeah, and, I think so. And, and what, dude? Those were some badass motherfuckers. Sword, man. shield, spear. Yeah, right? yeah. They they didn't. Those those guys' orders were the first things that they see. Is is that? Does it mean like conquest? I yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. But but those the, you know what their orders were hmm. to seek and kill and destroy. That's the main thing because uh-huh. you know why, right? Because they always were treasure hunting. Always, uh, always for treasure hunt, and them were some badass motherfuckers, man. Badass motherfuckers, searching, <laughs> seek and destroy. But, but like Mike said, well, well, like like I told you, these guys, That's before. a conquistador song. Yeah, they did, did bullfighting shit, man. Dude, brutal. Yeah. So as Sam, uh, Sam's upstairs taking a bath alone, La Yorona sees the opportunity to attack her and bring Anna to a place of vulnerability. When she's washing her hair with her eyes closed, she feels a pair of hands massaging her scalp, and for a moment, La Llorona is tender with her. So Sam is tricked by the feeling of that brief motherly touch, as La Llorona likely was with her own children, before the double murders, of course. So however, as she leans her head back to rinse her hair, La Llorona's decrepit hands push her and hold her under the water. I would have been the sound effects guy for the kid. Sal, you're going to be a Foley artist. 
<laughs> you, know, you know what would be even, even funnier is if there was a bottle of Mr. Bubbles. Fucking <laughs> 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 Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you all right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, Anna, oh, Anna, uh, yeah, Anna and Chris hear the commotion uh, in the bathroom and run up to save her. Anna pulls her out of the tub where she crawls backwards in fear, almost like she's scared of Anna, <laughs> but she's actually seeing La Llorona. Uh, so this time it's Anna who gets burned by the weeping woman's touch just as she turns around to see her. Awesome eyes in this scene. I think yeah, the contrary great, those great those eyes. Yellow context. Great scene. Uh, great scene. It's almost like they like they glow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fucking Perfect. awesome. I got to get a pair. So by this point, La Llorona has marked each family member to complete the curse and can now strike at any moment to kill the children. So Anna then goes to the church for help, specifically Father Perez, who recounts his experiences with the Annabelle doll. And I'm betting that he probably left out the part where he got fucked up and <laughs> possessed and tried to kill a mother and her baby. <laughs> He's like, yeah. he just tells her like, no, I, I don't fuck with demons no more. <laughs> <laughs> What is he told? He's like, she wants your soul. <laughs> <laughs> so Father Perez points out that the church's uh, bureaucracy would be slow to approve such aid. And there is, however, a spiritual freelancer who might be of service in the person of a former priest turned shaman, Rafael Olvera, played by Raymond Cruz. Um, and Anna is set to seek out the curandero who reluctantly agrees to help the Garcia family. So he then imply, uh, implements his unorthodox methods by having Anna and the kids roll eggs over everything in the house. It's a ritual called La Limpia, and he says that it's meant to detect evil in the house. The ritual of rolling an egg in its shell to pick up or ward off evil is a practice that not only goes way back to in Mexican healing, but is still in practice today. Kind of sounds like uh, Santeria or... Yeah, like you, you, my, you know that's true with the eggs? My, I remember yeah. my mother telling me that her grandmother used to do that. Yeah, and definitely. I don't know, I, I, you know, I'm, you know, because I told you guys, my, I was a little kid, and my mom would tell me all this disturbing shit, and I'd be like, what, the, what the fuck's with the egg? Yeah. Would she do that as part of like a bigger ritual? You know what? I, I don't remember, you know, what the, the dealio was behind with the mm -hmm. egg, but she said, yeah, your grandmother used to get an egg and put it, you know, she would, she would, um, uh, do it around the kids' beds, you oh, know, yeah. before they went to bed, and she would rub it, you know, on, uh, around the, the the surrounding of the bed. Why I don't know. Well, I'm about to get never got an explanation. Here. So uh, Raphael cracks one egg into a bowl, revealing the yolk to have turned into a burning black tar, and the other eggs explode, throwing the substance everywhere, almost like a spiritual equivalent of a paper towel picking up dirt from a surface. <laughs> it reveals that La Llorona has made her mark on the house and the family. So uh, the traditional en energy cleansing ceremony of La Limpia is frequently used whenever people get emotionally and or physically sick. After attracting bad luck, getting cursed, the evil eye, or having problems in relationships or with money, some may fall victim to entities, attachments, possession, or other misfortunes. La Limpia is a simple yet powerful physical, emotional, and spiritual purification process that rebalances the energy field by removing or extracting negative energies and replacing them with positive vibrations, renewed vigor, and optimism. For millennia, La Limpia has uh, been practiced by the Yakaks, which are birdmen and women, uh, curanderos, shamans, and healers to ensure the well-being of their communities. It's a multi-component physical and spiritual energy purification system, and Limpias are also uh, used to cleanse participants of shamanic ceremonies before entering a ceremonial space to maintain the purity of sacred space and rebalance homes and land. That's a little woo-woo. A little bit, but uh, that's what they, you know, a lot of a lot of cultures well, practice it. Well, yeah. well, my mom told me too because my mother's my mother's my mother's mother was Mexican, and my father and my my mother's father was Indian, and they said that you know because there's they a lot of closely, yeah. just, there's similarities to the, to both uh, beliefs, and and you know what they do with the with the eggs, Mikey? Huh. They, the Indians used to heal uh, with them, with 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 Mexican people. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because oh. my my mother's uh, father was a chief. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah, my mother's father was a chief. Yeah. So each of the elements, uh, earth, fire, air, and water, are tools used, uh, which, uh, by the way, sugarcane, rum, eggs, candles, smoke, flour, uh, herbs, plants, perfume, spears, and stones are also used throughout the ceremony. These all carry uh, spiritual symbolism and scientific reasoning. 
Olympia transforms the egg-shaped electromagnetic field, which is the illuminating body surrounding our physical body, which gets contaminated by our lives' daily uh, bad energies, such as traumas, memories, attachments, connection to our ancestors, and other negative energies. Lalimpia removes anger, curses, envy, bad air, energy attachments, and spirit possession. Hence, it creates a new surge of upbeat, positive energy, which allows for new clarity, better sleep, and for a true healing to take place. I watched one of these. Uh, this is all, by the way, Lalimpia is like, you know, a whole ritual with has like different things that happen you, in each part of it. Do you, do you, do you have any belief in that, Sammy? The, 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 a little bit. The, the candles, and especially uh, a lot of people have the... Um, uh, not stones, um, crystals. Because crystals are supposed to have this. Crystals, crystals are so supposed much. to have that healing thing. Yeah, like there's this whole thing called a uh, reiki. <clears throat> reiki. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, talk about woo woo. A little yeah, bit, yeah. It's, it's like really, what, like raking the energy in your field. You think that's BS, Mike? It certainly sounds that way to me, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't know, but I watched a couple of these on YouTube. One of these was badass. This guy, he was—I uh, <laughs> forget what they call him. He's like the the uh, the witch of the world or something like that. But he does this thing where like he's spraying all this shit on the floor. You're like, what is he doing? It's fucking gasoline. <laughs> he writes lights the whole fucking room on fire. There's oh, pictures job. everywhere. There's candles everywhere on the wall. Good job. And he's walking in it. <laughs> There's a bottle of gasoline, and he just lights the whole fucking room on fire. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, I'd go to this dude for sure, dude. I'm like, I'm standing in fire right now. (laughs) Yeah, but Mikey would take like the posters and like those are badass uh, pictures he's got. Yeah, yeah. I thought of you when I saw that. I was like, oh, Sal would love that. I love it. I love it. (laughs) You need to become a cordondero, Sal. (laughs) I wish I could spell it. Uh, So. So Anna and the children assist Raphael in several other rituals, uh, leaving the house looking very similar to how Patricia's looked when Anna went to pay her initial welfare now, check. Dream catchers are cool. We got one in the bedroom. A lot of yeah. people have belief in those things. I like you those. don't believe in uh, energy fields, but you believe in some dream catchers? I do. It I don't believe in... Cool. It I don't, matches I, the paint on the wall. <laughs> I don't believe in it, but why do most horror movies have to have station wagons in them? Did you guys, did you guys ever notice that? They were big in the 70s. Dude. 80s, too. Yeah. That's when this takes place. We rode in the back without seatbelts and jumped all around in the stage. <laughs> yeah, the country squire. You remember they, that? They probably didn't even have seatbelts. My, seat belts my, back my then. dad, my dad had a country squire uh, station wagon, and like Mike said, there was no uh, seatbelts. You know, and you, the laws didn't push for that. <laughs> and the, 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 it was really cool because the two seats uh, you could put down, and it would be just a total flat back in the in the back. Yeah, you could sleep in the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You put a record player back there. <laughs> Skip again. So I couldn't help this montage. I couldn't help. I had to do it. I've been doing a little bit of like minor editing lately. I had to put this scene together and I sent it to you guys. We'll put this out as a promo for this week. But I had to edit this in here just to this uh, fucking song on the fucking under the montage. Yes. That was awesome. Awesome. Try to be best because you're only a man. You can do that, Mike. <laughs> but yeah, this song matches up great to this montage, I think. When you sent that, I loved it. Loved it. Oh, man. So yeah, we'll post this whole thing on like Instagram or uh, you Facebook. Have to or show you guys. It was great. <laughs> yeah. I love when you did that. Very good. So uh, Krista notices Raphael's cross, which he explains was crafted from the fire trees that surround the river where La Llorona drowned her children. He explains that the fire trees wept as La Llorona drowned her children, and uh, as they're the only witness to her sins, they hold a special power over her. So he then reveals that the vial of La Llorona's black blood tears, which he collected from Patricia's house, he mixes it with holy water, sets it on fire, and refers to it as anti-venom. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, La Llorona then arrives later that night, vicious and determined to find the children. Anna and the children believe that they are being protected as they are surrounded by candles huddled in the living room under Raphael's direction. But La Llorona takes her by surprise as she wails out a horrible sound that extinguishes all the lights. Okay, time to move. You can't move. She's attached oh, herself. Jesus. Damn. I like that whale, though. That's Mike, cool. Mike does that when there's no more strolls left. When I'm out of strolls. Oh, I had Blatz the other day. <laughs> yeah, you said Fucking that. amazing. Blatz. Yes. Who drinks Blatz beer? I was out in Braidwood, Illinois, at the Top Fuel Saloon, and I had a Blatz. 
And it was a blast. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Could you imagine yeah. Mike on a show and he's testing his mics out and he does that sound? Crack a blast. <laughs> no, that. <laughs> <laughs> check one two check Hor- one two horrifies the whole hotel the hotel just goes out screaming yeah you need that as a sound effect for che- uh, like mic checks <laughs> I totally this one doesn't sound good Mike oh <laughs> uh, Mike there was children in there yeah. <laughs> oh, don't do that <laughs> Well, at this point, Anna and the Blast. kids, <laughs> Anna so and the good. kids are exactly where La Llorona wants them. Anna is attacked, thrown, and left unconscious on the floor as the kids beg Raphael for help. Instead of helping, he just slinks back into the shadows of the house, leaving the kids unprotected and susceptible to La Llorona. When Anna comes to, she gets up and attempts to save Chris, who is being dragged down the hallway. She's a step behind, but at the last moment before he's dragged out of the house, Raphael grabs Chris. So uh, Raphael then throws his vial of anti-venom into La Llorona's face, burning her so badly that she lets go of Chris, and Raphael is able to shove her out of the house through the front door. He then slams it shut and puts down a row of fire seeds uh, from the fire tree there. Forming a... Looks like red pepper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically, this was all a setup to lock La Llorona out of the house, and she fell for it. Because the seeds are collected from the same fire tree that the cross is made from, La Llorona is unable to cross this barrier as long as the line is not broken. Raphael overlooks the back door, though, because La Llorona promptly blows it open, and the family races to seal it shut again. This is also a clever distraction, as La Llorona is just using the back door as a diversion to trick Samantha into breaking the seal on the front door. La Llorona gets a hold of her beloved doll named Misty that she associates with her dead dad, Obviously, we know that evil entities can manipulate dolls in the Conjuring universe. And Misty is set outside the door, just barely outside of Samantha's reach, so she has to stretch out past the seeds to get to it. Misty also bears a resemblance to the real-life animal doll, uh, Raggedy Ann doll. Don't you think a little bit? I was yeah. I was just thinking that. You know that was intentional for this movie. You, you think so, Sammy? <laughs> Definitely, yeah, 100%. <clears throat> It's also fitting that she uses a doll named Misty, as Mist is the gaseous form of water, and La Llorona is... Uh, that's water is La Llorona's murder weapon, basically. I still say yeah. the weapons in, in the Catholic religion are magnificent. The, 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 you know what he just, the tears and the mixture of stuff. Just Anti-venom. awesome. You just, just awesome thoughts of, of, <laughs> of who's ever directing and writing these movies. Oh, yeah. Love it. He bathes the tears and fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I told Mikey before, love that addition to movies, man. Yeah. Just, just a little who stuff. Who thinks of that shit? <laughs> Hey, if you go into the, you know, a lot of these books cover that, like the Warrens books and stuff, that's yeah. where they get a lot yeah. of this shit from. Yeah. So Samantha takes the bait and is just barely able to reach Misty without breaking the line of seeds, but Anna sees her at the last second and yells at her to get away from the door. This causes Samantha to get distracted and Ansley accidentally drag oh, the doll through the line job, of seeds. <laughs> yeah, granting La Llorona access to the house. <laughs> So La Llorona immediately grabs Sam and sends her flying from the house. <laughs> Stupid kid. So this is uh, kind of like a scene in The Maiden. I was telling you guys that short scene you should uh, check out there. There's a scene in that movie where this girl is like just grabbed and yanked backwards exactly like that. Almost like it's a uh, director's trademark. Yeah. There's also a necklace in this, in the which is, uh, it's kind of a little bit, the short is kind of a little bit La Llorona-like, you know? It is. Yeah. Uh, well, taking uh, Samantha to the nearest body of water, which is the backyard pool, La Llorona holds her under, attempting to drown her. Anna then dives in and searches with the flashlight, and upon a fi- uh, finding Samantha at the bottom, La Llorona attacks Anna. During the scuffle, Anna rips off La Llorona's necklace, and the same necklace uh, given to her by her boys that she said she would wear forever. This enrages La Llorona, as the necklace is the last connection that she has to her own children. Before she can retaliate, Raphael blesses the water and mixes in salt, causing the pool to be turned into holy water, which drives out La Llorona. Is that what makes holy water is salt? No. (laughs) What did that have to do with it? It has nothing to do with it. Kind of like it's like a symbol of like when they do the circle of protection with the salt. Holy water, the only only thing that they do to holy water is they bless it. They bless it. <clears throat> There's no mixture of any kind of chemical in holy water. They should make it cool. Like, do it, you know, if it's like, make it red. <laughs> I like Blood of Christ. <laughs> Mikey, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember was? <laughs> Ooh, do you remember when Sam said we should get some some holy water and send it out for testing? <laughs> do what? One of our podcasts, this dumb kid said, "Hey, man, oh, let's get a, let's let's find out the real stuff about this. Let's take it and get get a sample. We'll test the holy water against the regular water." 
<laughs> like the pH is different. What if, what if they throw some on Sammy? He's starts burning. You're gonna, you're gonna feel holy after drinking it. <laughs> well, Anna is able to save Samantha from drowning, but just like Tomas, Samantha is now in a trance. Just like what Patricia's son Tomas experienced shortly before his death, Raphael and Anna soon realize that the only way to keep Samantha from just walking outside into La Llorona's grasp is to keep her locked away, the same method that Patricia was reprimanded for the night of Anna's visit. So fittingly, Patricia would now be La Llorona's last play, which she weaponizes against Anna and her family. Being a regular human, Patricia has no problem simply walking over the fireseed barrier to abduct Chris and uh, Samantha from the closet. So this is uh, what that reference is to the Scooby-Doo episode <laughs> about dressing up and impersonating ghosts in the beginning. Uh, Patricia's wearing a white dress and no shoes, and we don't see her face in these shots. It's an intentional misdirection to make us think that it's La Llorona. She would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Patricia then shoots Raphael in the shoulder. There's and... old Van Carruthers the whole time. Hey. <laughs> So uh, Patricia then shoots Raphael in the shoulder, begs La Llorona for her own children back, and breaks the line of seeds at the door, allowing La Llorona to get inside. This isn't completely clear if Patricia entered that Anna's house of her own volition or if this was under La Llorona's direction, but in either case, we know that she was manipulated by the belief that her children's souls could be freed <laughs> if she offered the souls of Anna's children in their place. La Llorona powers her way through everyone in the house and throws Anna down the stairs to the basement. She's then thrown, um, I'm sorry, as she's thrown, she drops La Llorona's necklace. Uh, Chris quickly picks it up and keeps it close. And at this point, the trance on Samantha is then broken with no explanation as to why. So horror history speculates that it would be tied to the sunrise, a symbol of the passage of time into the next day. Uh, again, this goes back to the idea that Patricia brought up at the beginning that she only needed to keep her family safe for a little while longer, and then the evil would potentially move on. So the children then run to the attic, but La Llorona finds them and corners them. I love the scene where all the boxes move apart. That's I so do, I fucking do too. sick. I do. <laughs> That's such like a conjuring, you know, awesome like specific effect. thing that you would <clears throat> see in one of these movies. It's also cool how they keep showing her, like, it's raining. It's raining. I love how it's raining yeah. outside yeah. and the lightning keeps lighting up that her face. Cool mm -hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. As the final moments draw near and La Llorona draws closer to them, Chris uses the necklace as his last line of defense. Its appearance causes her anger to suddenly disappear, returning to the soft, kind features from her natural life. So it can be interpreted in a couple different ways, but one is that in that moment, La Llorona sees Chris as one of her own children, offering her the necklace as a gift, and the anger and malice temporarily washes away, allowing her to take on the appearance of a friendly ghost. So on the contrary, you could look at it as just another one of her tricks, her trying to get the children to let their guard down. Hmm. But the moment is short-lived as Samantha accidentally uncovers a mirror, allowing La Llorona to see the reflection of her true monstrous self and she immediately reverts to her ghostly form. Mm -hmm. The tender moment brought Chris and Samantha enough time for Anna and Raphael to reach the attic and protect them, with La Llorona turning her attention to Raphael, the one who poses the biggest threat with his cross made from the fire tree. She attacks him first, and then she charges for the Garcia family, but Raphael is able to kick the cross across the room to Anna, who grabs it and stabs La Llorona through the chest, causing her to dramatically evaporate. And we get a lot of... Uh, we get conjuring goo in this cell. Why did they? Why did they get her it's in a throat? Why did they get her in a throat instead of the heart? She stabs her in the heart. Awesome, awesome. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of black goop. What, what's, why? It's why why do they always have to have black goop? I don't know. Black goop. It's a. Well, it's evil. a ghostly thing. It's ectoplasm. It, it, it's it's Mike evil, Mikey. Black as your heart. <laughs> okay. I wish this one would have went on a little longer. This is. Uh, <laughs> this, you wanted the kids' asses to get beat even harder? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> La Llorona's like, here's your fire tree uh, fucking shit-covered crossback. Yeah, I remember like his attitude afterwards. It's like, he like, he, like, like wipes his hand. He's like, oh, okay, that's it. Done. That's it. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still kind of in my head where Mike, Mike brought up a hell of a thing. I remember watching those Scooby-Doo episodes, and every episode, the adults hated those kids. <laughs> if it wasn't for those meddling kids. <laughs> I would have gotten away with it, too. <laughs> so, while this concludes the Garcia's family's chapter with the malicious Central American legend, however, this may not be the final chapter of the Weeping Woman's story. Um, after Anna and the children say goodbye to Raphael later that morning, Anna looks strangely back into a puddle where we hear children laughing. Could that be La Llorona coming back for 
Maybe a sequel. Who knows? It's a little bit like Freddy Krueger at the end. I'm laughing like the little man. kids laughing. <laughs> Creepy. I told you guys a million times. I'm little kids. One, two. Don't do that, Mikey. That's <laughs> prime time, bitch. <laughs> Welcome to prime time. <laughs> See, we put that out. Maybe he calls everybody a bitch. <laughs> I wonder if he does that at home. Hey, bitch. <laughs> you think I'm your daddy. <laughs> His wife is like, what the fuck? You might be able to talk to those horror nerds like that, but you fucking asked me nicely for a sandwich. She's like, a, I'm sorry. Horror sorry. nerds. <laughs> oh, that we are. That we are. <sighs> So that's the Curse of La Llorona, a short one, but a fun one. I love it. Love it. Go see that movie. Yeah. Now, you know what, you guys, now I got to watch this again. I got to watch this again. I I like how you watch the movies to prepare for the podcast that we're... (laughs) (laughs) We always do the podcast, and at the end, you're like, you know what? Now I got to watch this. (laughs) No, I watched it. No, I watched it. It's something I I seen back in 2019. (laughs) No, but I told him, I told you guys before, sometimes it takes me one or two or three times to watch it before I really like it again. Yeah, I like this one a lot. As we're, you know, as we're doing these, I like the. There was a couple of these movies, like The Nun, that I liked yeah. a lot more than I remember liking it when I first, yeah. first saw it. On second viewing, they they kind of get better. Some of them. I don't know, Sammy. Magnificent job, magnificent job. Yeah, Thank you. as usual, magnificent. Always. Oh man, I can't wait. We're about to wrap up uh, this Conjuring universe. Oh, we boy. got. I think we're gonna probably do have a two parter going on with the uh, the next one is uh, the, the Conjuring three. We're gonna probably Sammy, the first one's gonna I cover. Think we got two more. Yeah, a little cool. We got a, we got the, be done. We got the demonic possession I'll, of David Glatzel, I'll, and then I'll, we got the uh, murder of Arnie Johnson, and uh, maybe we'll cover it like we've been covering all these villains. We're gonna cover um, the Satanist Isla Kastner. I'm sure Mike. Cool. I'm sure Mike will agree with me with this. This image you have on the monitor is mm-hmm. a magnificent poster. Yeah. Magnificent. I'm not sure who the artist was for that. I think it might be Sam Gilby. <laughs> Sam Gilby. It's not funny. That's his name. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's but, the artist's name. Se- yeah. But seriously, with our logo on it, <laughs> yeah. this would be a magnificent poster. Magnificent. Damn. Hell yeah. I, I wish there was a way you could um, copy this, Sammy. I could. And, and and made it a poster. It, look at it. It's, it's just so amazing. Instagram. Done. Yeah. You, you think so? I'll throw it out there. Yeah. Put it on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. 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 We actually we 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 got to add a couple of things more to social media, Instagram, the Facebook. We got to get a little bit more creative on there. Yeah, we'll but definitely folks, be uploading uh, you know the little uh, inspirational montage there for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. History yeah. repeats itself. Just try and you'll succeed. You're the best. The oh montage. My. When you said that to me, Mike, I. Loved it, man. I couldn't <laughs> stop playing that. That was an awesome, awesome. But hey, listeners, we want you to get involved more with social Please. with our social media Please. too. Contact us on Instagram, contact us on Facebook, post funny shit on there for yeah. us. You know, let's let's have fun with it. Yeah. And uh email us. So uh stick around and we'll be back uh hopefully soon this month and we're gonna finish up with the Conjuring Three. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.